I want to invite you to open in your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 4. We'll continue in our study through the gospel according to Mark. And in fact, we're going to pick up in the middle of the same day that we have been studying now for several weeks, or for the last several weeks that we've been in the gospel according to Mark, we have been in the same day in the life of ministry for Jesus Christ and his disciples. And so if you'll remember the last couple of weeks, we, we've been looking at these teachings, the teachings of Jesus about the kingdom and looking at parables of Christ, all taught from a boat where he was teaching people on the shoreline. Today, we're going to pick up and there's going to be a story that's going to take place with Jesus in that same boat. And so the same exact day is where we are picking up. And so I want to invite you, if you will, to look with me there at verse 35. We're going to work our way through the text. And then I'm going to invite you to go to your outline for our application. The word of God says this. It says, on that day, that's the same day that started in chapter three, verse seven. On that day when evening had come, and based on what we know, based on what we know is going to happen in chapter five that you'll see next week, we have to assume this had to be still early evening because there's still a lot to go in this great day of ministry for Jesus Christ. But on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. The other side of what you say? Well, if you go back in the text, you know, that's the Sea of Galilee. And so he says, let's go to the other side of the sea. We can assume that on the other side, he is planning to go and preach and proclaim the kingdom of God and to cast out demons and to heal people as he has been doing. As he said in chapter one, verse 35, and in that area where he said, that's what I came to do. And so we're assuming he's gonna continue. That's why he's going to the other side. But he says, let us go across to the other side. And evidently the disciples didn't question this. They, they said, okay, let's do it. And so we're told in verse 36 and leaving the crowd or saying goodbye to the crowd that have been listening on the beach and he's been teaching. They took him with them in the boat just as he was. Just as he was, is helping us understand without him going back onto the shore, without him going and picking up, you know, some some food down at the diner or doing anything else before he goes, Jesus in the boat where he was teaching, he is going to now sit down, lay down, stand up, whatever he's going to do. And the disciples hop in that boat and they say, let's go. We'll go to the other side. It says, and leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. We don't know if these other boats were other people that had been listening on the beach or if the disciples split up into a couple of different boats or if there was just random boats on the water. We really don't know this information. But at this point, I wanna take time to speak to somebody in the house that may possibly come into the room skeptical or you may come into the room questioning the idea of miracles and the works of Jesus. I think this is an interesting point to make known. If you are in the room and you are skeptical and if you are in the room and you are questioning a lot of things about the life of Jesus and miracles and God, I hope you know this is a space for you to do that. I hope you feel welcome. I hope you know that we are glad that you're here. This is a wonderful place and environment for you to be able to ask questions of the faith. One interesting thing, there are a lot of people, a lot of scholars who struggle with miracles. You know, I don't think I have to tell you that. I think you know that. There are many people who struggle with the miracles of Jesus. And so some of the interpretations that you'll have from people who have looked on to the gospel accounts is they say that these are legend. 
You know, that these are true in the mind of the people that wrote it, but they're not actual events. There are a lot of people who struggle with believing in miracles, or there's a lot of people who struggle or are very skeptical at the works of Jesus or this particular text being a reality, that one of the biggest hiccups they have, one of the biggest struggles they have is defending the view of this being a legend based on the writings of Mark. I told you the very first week that we studied Mark that Mark is an eyewitness account. We, we believe that Mark was more than likely inspired, of course, by the Holy Spirit to Mark as he wrote, but through the eyewitness account of Peter. And so Peter inspired by the Holy Spirit, Mark inspired by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit at work in the midst is what got us the book of Mark. That's what we, that's what we believe. That's what I believe. And, and so, and so what this means is this, is that when we come to the book of Mark, we ask, well, what confuses somebody that might be skeptical of miracles? And the thing that really throws them off is this, is the random details that are found in the gospel according to Mark. Mark was more than likely, we we believe the first gospel account that was spreading through the churches. And it has very random details. It has details that seem just irrelevant to the actual story itself about it pushing the story forward. That is one of the greatest encouragements that we have to seeing this as a true story. Now, I believe this is a true story. I know you believe this is a true story, but there may be somebody in here today that you say, I just don't know if I can believe in miracles. Well, today, when you read this text, I just want you to understand there are other people who have been sitting in your seat before who struggled a lot because of the just super irrelevant details that we find, like Jesus sleeping on a cushion, it being evening, the... Uh, him being in the back of the boat or in the stern of the boat. We've got something like there were other boats or he didn't go back to shore before they left. These are details that very much match what we find with eyewitness accounts. They do not go with the characteristic of what we would think of a legend. The reason why I'm telling you is this, is that today what I believe from this text is that this was a true story that happened to actual people in actual time. And therefore what we see today and the encouragement that we see today in these few verses, I believe can encourage you in your actual seat today, in your actual life today, that the actual Jesus in the Bible did actual things and therefore it means something to us today. Okay, so I believe this is a true story. Random details, okay? And and I believe it's because Peter is saying, well, that's what I remember happening. And inspired by the Holy Spirit, it's in here, okay? And so here we go, pick pick back up, verse 35. On that day, when the evening had come, he said, let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. Verse 37, here it comes. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat. Now, I'm going to invite for just a minute James Spann into our midst, okay? I'm going to, we're gonna waken up my inner James Spann. And everyone said, amen, okay? I almost, no, I don't have a suspenders, but still. The Sea of Galilee, I've never, I've never been there to see it in person, okay? There are people in this room, you have seen it and you are so happy that I'm talking about it right now. But I've never seen it in person, but I can read and understand the Sea of Galilee sits 300 feet below sea level. The the hills and the mountains that make up the landscape around the Sea of Galilee calls for some serious weather problems. 
there's Mount, uh, Mount Hermon is actually only 30 miles northeast of the Sea of Galilee. It's 9,200 feet above sea level. And so you got the cold air from the mountains and the hills mixing with the warm air of the sea and it is causing for some nasty storms. So it was very normal for there to be a quick storm that would arise or that would come over the Sea of Galilee. These people that are in this boat right now, several of them are professional fishermen. Like they are used to being in the water. They know what is going on as far as when you should get in a boat and when you should not. They were obedient to the word of Jesus and they got in this boat and they went. I'm not sure if there were clouds in the distance. I'm not sure if they went to each other. They said, man, I'll tell you what, this looks like one of those days that we're gonna have a squall, but let's do what Jesus said. I don't know what it is that they were thinking or if the sun was out and all of a sudden it got bad. But Matthew in his account seems to indicate that this storm came about abruptly. Whatever the case, they get in the boat and they're making their way across the sea and we're told that a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Now these boats, most of the ones that we have found and there's definitely some, there was one that was found in 1986 at the Sea of Galilee that dates back to this time period and it was 26 feet long. Okay, so more than likely we're talking somewhere, you know, 20 to 26, 20 to 30 foot boat. We're told that they're out in the water and there's a great windstorm. Water is beating against the boat tossing it to and fro and water is making its way into the boat and filling it. Now, I have never in my life been in a boat when anything was happening like this, but I would be scared out of my mind. Okay, this this is not the kind of, you wanna watch this on a movie? You wanna read about this in a book? You do not wanna experience this in real time. These guys are used to the water and yet they are absolutely scared. They are fearful. Look at what it says, verse 38. It says, but, but he was in the stern. This is Jesus Christ. The stern, I'm not gonna lie, I had to look it up. It's the back of the boat. Okay, I, gotta, I should know that. I had to look it up. So if you didn't know, just don't, don't you ever shame me, okay? I had to look it up. He was in the back of the boat, asleep on a cushion. Now, once again, I have no idea if the sun's out when they get on the boat. It's been a long day of ministry. I don't know if this is a cushion that's built into the boat and it's where they sit when they row. I don't know if this is like, hey, can I borrow your pillow for a minute? I'm not sure what it is, but Jesus Christ gets in the back of the boat and he is snoozing. Now, this is certainly shows the humanity of Christ. He needed to sleep. He got tired after a long day of ministry. I'm, I'm glad to know that Jesus gets tired as well. He's tired and he takes a nap. It's also from, from everything that I read from people, they, they, they are convinced that this is showing his trust in God. Remember what the parable was that we talked about last week? That we sow and then we what? And we sleep. By the way, I do wanna get credit to Miss Cassandra. She told me the other day, she said, you had a chance. We sow, we sleep and we reap. Okay, I missed the reap. So that, was, that would have been a better outline, but that was a good one for her. But we, we sow and then we sleep. We go to bed. We trust in the, in the Lord's work. Maybe this is picturing that. Jesus goes and he sleeps after a long day of sowing and in the midst of what is going to be quite the storm. He goes to bed. Well, they come up to him and they woke him up and they said, teacher, 
do you not care that we are perishing? And we're gonna spend some time talking about that in a few minutes. Matthew and Luke, they, they tone this down a little bit. They don't bring up, do you care? They just say, wake up, we're perishing. But Mark says something that's very important. I believe he's extremely given to us a purpose. And it is the idea that Jesus Christ was asleep. The disciples in that moment, they believed that he was indifferent to their situation, that he didn't care. He was, he was unaware and he, it, it didn't matter to him. He didn't care that they were dying. He didn't care that they were perishing. They, they legitimately thought they were gonna drown. The boat's filling up and they are so scared. And they question whether Jesus Christ even cares. Verse 39 says, and he awoke and he rebuked the wind. I want to make a note for you here. Notice in this text, he does not rebuke them for their lack of faith. He calls it out. He doesn't rebuke them. The only thing that Jesus Christ rebukes in this situation is the wind. It's the storm itself. He, he doesn't say, you guys are idiots. You, you guys have, can you really not see that? Can you, do you not understand? He doesn't do that. He awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Do you, do you still not trust me? It says, and they were filled with great fear. And they said to one another, who is this? Who is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. And what we're supposed to see here in this text is they were fearful before. They are terrified now. They were scared during the storm. Now they are terrified as they say, who is this? Who is this that's in our boat? What I want us to do is take your outline and let's just walk through and, and consider. It's really an obvious outline, but I think it's one that we can learn a lot from. And it's one that I think the Lord can use to speak deep into our hearts. And so let's pray and, and then we will begin to consider this text in depth. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, your word that we desire will take root in our hearts that we will be good soil, that, your, uh, that our hearts will be good soil, that your word will take deep root in our hearts and produce fruit, produce trust, faith, produce love and encouragement, a word that will help us to heal, a word that will help us to be strong, a word that will help us know that our weakness is okay, a word that will help us and remind us that you're with us and you're for us always. Lord, we thank you for this word. We pray that you would give us eyes to see it and ears to hear it in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. All right, so with your outline out, let's first, let's start on the left side of the outline and let's just consider once again, we have seen the storm. A couple of notes about it is this. We have the tendency in Christian culture to believe that storms in life and specifically following Jesus, that storms come up or come about because of particular sin or disobedience in our own life. 
there is a story that we're going to look at today that is for sure connected to this. And that's the story of the prophet Jonah. It says, go to Nineveh. And he says, I'm going the opposite direction. Peace out. There's another storm and there's another sleeper on a boat during that first chapter of Jonah. But in that particular situation, God brings a storm because of the disobedience of Jonah. You may be going through things in your life. You may have circumstances or sufferings or things that you're walking through that the tendency is for you to believe it's because of some disobedience in your life. Maybe it is because of something that you believe that you're not believing strong enough in or that you have done wrong before the eyes of the Lord. And I don't want anyone to hear me saying that there are not consequences to our sin or behaviors or patterns or anything else. That that is certainly the case. I just said two weeks ago that we reap what we sow, okay? I, I believe that. So there's certainly consequences that we can live in because of past disobedience or sin. That's definitely the case. With Jonah, we see he was disobedient and there's the Lord, you know, providing in the end his healing. But what I want you to see here in this text is Jesus says, let's go across the lake, I mean the sea. And they say, yes, they're obedient. I don't think they ask any questions. They hopped right in and said, we don't even have time. Don't even go back on land. We don't even need to get our water bottles. Let's just go. And they're obedient and it is in their obedience that they're led right into a squall, a tremendous storm. We're going to see a picture of Jesus Christ, the perfect image bearer of God. God himself, who because of his obedience will suffer more than anyone will ever suffer in human history. And so I just want to make the note that when we talk about storms and when we talk about grace and the gospel and God's work in our life and his presence with us, do not think that because you're in a storm is due because of your sin. Right here, this storm, Jesus takes him right into the middle of one. There's a reason to believe that he even caused it. He certainly allowed it. What about their faith and fear and doubts? Well, they did what I would do. Go nuts. Like if I'm out, I mean, first of all, I don't want anybody asleep in a time that the boat is about to sink. Like that's just dangerous, first of all. But also you want people like wake up. You know, help us. Like, I guess they were trying to get water out of the boat. Like, who knows what they were doing? But they, they wanted Jesus, their leader, to be about this. And instead, they're, they're assuming that he doesn't even care. And so their faith in him at this point, they're, they're not even thinking about what they believe at this point. They're just reacting to what they're in. And we see their fear. Their fear is he doesn't love us. He doesn't care about us. He doesn't even want to help us. He's indifferent to our need and we are going to die. That fills their brain and their hearts full of doubts. Today, you may have fear. You may have doubts in your life. And I want you to know that the Lord is going to speak to you today. The Lord is with you as he was with them in that boat. And I believe that his word 
can speak over you, can rest on you, that the spirit can wake, waken up in your heart the truth that he's with you, for you, he's never against you, that he loves you. I believe you'll see that today. But we certainly can understand, this is a big storm, we can understand their faith, their fear, and their doubts. To me, it's a lot easier to understand how they would be feeling than it is to understand how they would not be concerned. But what I want you to see is what they get to witness. And this, I want you to see the Lord of the storm. The Lord of the storm. Jesus wakes up and we're told that he rebukes the wind and the waves. The actual phrase translated the best that, that, that I can tell, it, is, it goes like this. Peace, be still and stay still. Now, if there was any common ground that ancient cultures had, it was fear of the sea. You don't have to try real hard to get research on that. It was fear of the sea. This was common with Jews. This was common with ancient Near East culture. It's common today, fear of the sea. The sea has a mystery about it. You know, whether it's what exists underneath it or if it's what you can't see underneath you. There's a mystery and a fear. And ancient cultures oftentimes believed that it was in the sea that, that demonic presence was found. That it was a symbol of evil. And it was something that was uncontrollable except for the Jews would say, God, the ancient cultures would say, the gods. It was not something that a man could ever deal with by himself. The only one that could call out a storm would have to call upon a deity. And so what you see with the, the book of Jonah, if you remember this, is the mariners who, I, I mean, they, if anybody is aware of storms in the sea, it would have been them, like they're professional uh, you know, men of the sea. I mean, they, they know what's going on with this. They wake him up and they say, get up right now and cry out to your God. Maybe he'll notice, maybe he'll care. That's literally what's in Jonah. He gets up and he says, no, I know exactly what the deal is. The God of the sea is my God and I have run from him. In fact, that's why I'm on your boat right now and I'm sleeping right now because I don't wanna think about it. And you just woke me up. And they said, what in the world have you done? Ancient cultures knew man cannot control the sea. No man can. And so what we would have expected in a legend, what we would have expected from ancient Near East culture is if anything, that Jesus stands up and he cries out to his father or he cries out to the God of heaven and says, you know, in the name of Yahweh, stop the weather, protect us, save us. But that's not what he does, is it? He doesn't call upon anyone. He says, peace, be still and stay still, and immediately it does. We're told that not only does the weather stop, it says that the water was still. It was like glass. Like you've been on the lake before when it was glass. It's phenomenal, best time to ride a jet ski, okay? This is right here, water's still. 
Like this is a miracle. And what we see is Jesus doesn't call on the Lord. Jesus does not call on a power. He is the power. It's amazing. Be still and stay still. How cool is that? Well, it seems cool to us reading about it. To the disciples, it really sent them from another, for another whirlwind. They've never seen something like that before. But we see the Lord of the storm. And it's in it that we begin to see and we understand, and I believe that they were getting an idea of his power. This story, even though I know it's in the same day that we've been looking at, but there's a transition in Mark that starts here at verse 35. It's gonna go for several stories in a row. There are long accounts of miracles. These miracles are gonna highlight the authority and the power of Jesus. But they're also gonna highlight for us his love and his care, his wisdom, his compassion for people. Right here, he rebukes the wind, the Lord of the storm. But what do we learn about the Lord of the storm? We learn, yes, about his power and his strength, but also we learn about his love and his care. Well, what about us? Look over at the right side of your outline. Let's consider our storm or our storms. I don't wanna be corny, but I think it would be silly to miss this opportunity. I, just this morning, I heard that there was one Sunday school class today that you talked about storms today. So that's cool. Thank you, Lord, for working that out. But John Matthews was telling me that in his class, you guys were talking about God's sovereignty and his work in the midst of storms. You talked about the physical storm of, and seeming that, that was, you know, knocked down the previous building here and, and seemingly was destroying our city and what God's done and worked through the midst of that. We certainly are a testimony to that as a church body but that you talked about storms. But I've also had conversations with people today about storms that they're walking through in their lives. Where they are, where they have just, where they're walking through the midst of loss, of suffering. There are people who have lost jobs recently. There are people who had things that happened that seemed to creep up on them that seemed like they didn't see it coming from a, you know, from a mile away. Others of you, it's been kind of a lingering suffering that's been taking place and you've been watching it unfold for months and months and years and years. There are people in this room that are walking through what we might call storms of life. And in some way, everybody, if you're not walking through one to some degree, you certainly will. It's during these storms that we often may ask questions like, does God care? Is he indifferent to my suffering? Does he care about where I am? Does he even know? Is he asleep? Those are the kind of questions that we might not want to say out loud, but they certainly are going through our brains. And when we talk about storms, we need to understand it's not just storms physically. There's storms that take place mentally, socially, spiritually. And Jesus Christ, the Lord of the storm, he cares about your whole situation. He cares about the whole person. He cares about every ounce of who you are. That's the one that we're looking at today. 
The one that said, peace, be still and stay still is the one that we welcome in, that he meets us in the midst of any storm that we walk through in our lives. That's the Lord of glory, Jesus Christ. So I know there's people in the room that you're struggling, that you're suffering in numerous ways. And that that can bring about, you know, issues with our faith and with doubts. And I remind you when we talk about faith in this place, I hope you hear it week after week, that we're not looking for the size of your faith. We're talking about the substance that your faith is in, the substance of your faith. It's fixing our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ, the Lord of our storm. With Jesus, he invites us to come to him. He meets us in our doubts. He meets us in the doubt of, but does he even care? And I believe he wraps his arms around us. He assures us of his love. He assures us of his, of his presence and his power, his love and his care. I had such a great little conversation just a minute ago and I, I don't mind saying this because I know how much she would be okay with this. But I was talking to Miss Helen Brown just a, just a little bit ago, right before the service. And she certainly has gone through a lot in her family with the loss of her amazing husband. But I want you to know something that she said just, just a minute ago. It, it preaches better than what I, could, what I could come up with. And so certainly want to, to bring it about. We were talking about the question of, well, does, does God care? And, and, and she, she said this. She said, well, he went through the storm himself. <laughs> he went through the storm himself. And you need to know this today. Our God went through the storm himself. I love Jonah. I think it's such a fun book of the Bible. But it's in the book of the Bible that we see all of these different connections here. We see this great storm and we see one that's asleep, the prophet's asleep, and he gets woken up and says, do you even care? Cry out to your God. And then at the end of that, if you'll remember, he says, the problem is me, throw me out. And so they, they pick him up and they toss him overboard. That's when he gets swallowed by the big giant fish. It's a really amazing story. But as soon as he hits the water, what happens? The storm ceases. We have people on the boat that are used to being on a boat. They were scared of that storm. They're even more terrified now that this just happened and they worship. But we have this connection to the story and we see all of these connecting points. And so maybe we read it and so we say, okay, in Mark, I, I, see, I see the storm. You know, I see the sleeper. I see, you know, the sea being calmed. I, I see all of this. But what about with Jonah being tossed down of the boat? Jesus refers to himself as the greater Jonah. Matthew chapter 12, he is the greater Jonah. As Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, he said, so the son of man, look at my work. We'll be buried for three days and three nights. It's really an amazing story and a connection that we might miss except for the answer to this if we miss it can leave us, if we miss this, we might dare think that he doesn't care. But if we see it, we'll never be able to look at it and question it again. Though we may struggle, though we may be tossed to and fro to the point that we are, I'll use this line, anchored 
in the gospel of Jesus, in the love of God, in the care that he has for us. And it will be to that extent that even though we're being tossed to and fro, we will not ask the question, does he care? Or he will remind us that he does. Because it was Jesus Christ who, he didn't jump into the sea. Jesus went into the storm. The storm, the greatest suffering that anyone could ever go into. And he went into it, not because of disobedience, but because of absolute obedience to his father. And in love, he went to the cross and on the cross, he bore our sin. He took it on in the full. He hung there. He took on every bit of darkness and evil and suffering. He became that sin crushed for his people. He was buried and then... He rose. Three days later, he rose victorious over sin and death. And it's in his victory that we look to our righteousness that sits at the right hand in heaven and we know and we see that he cares. He cares. He, was, he suffered for us. He suffered with us. He entered into a world and suffered That's our God. That's the Lord of our storm. One who's not disconnected from suffering or who is indifferent, but one who in every way, he has been tempted yet without sin. That is the Jesus of the Bible. Today, wherever you are, whatever storm you are facing, today you may need prayer. You may say, Colby, I just want to talk about it. And I want you to know sometimes talking about where we are does bring healing. There's so much healing in confession. And so today, maybe you just need me to listen to you. Maybe it's this week, you, you want to give me a phone call or, or you call your Sunday school teacher or life group leader or somebody that you trust and you say, I just want to talk. Can I tell you where I am in the storm that I'm in? Can I talk to you about it? There's so much healing that can come just from us even talking about it. But I want you to know wherever you are today, that, that is where Jesus Christ will meet you. The Lord of glory and the Lord of our storms. He'll meet us with his power. He'll meet us with his perfect care and wisdom. And he will meet us in his love. And so today I invite you to respond to this message just by going to Jesus, by going to the Lord. He is with us and only he, only he can truly speak and calm the storms of our life. Will they go away? Maybe not. He went all the way to death. But I know this, wherever you are, whatever waters you're in, which for your word today, Lord, your word that expands so much more outside of what we have looked at. Your word that begins in Genesis with the spirit hovering over the sea, over the waters of chaos and ending in revelation with there being a place with no more chaos, with God being present with us, completely calming the storms. Lord, help us see that. 
Help us embrace that. Help us understand that you're with us always and for us no matter what. That you walk with us, that you guide us, that you can give wisdom and power and care in the midst of any place we find ourselves in today. Thank you for loving this body as you do. Thank you for loving myself and my family. Thank you for caring for us in such a sweet and personal way. Lord, we love you. We lift you up today and we worship you today. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, amen.